Welcome to the one within all to another episode of Innerverse Podcast. I'm your host, Chance, and we talk a lot about the process of alchemy on this show. We discuss the all-important blueprint of as above, so below, as within, so without. And so in our conversation today, we're going to go further into this realization of the fractal holography of our realm, that everything really is kind of everything, especially in those vessels that carry the life force energy the self-existing creative intelligence of all existence. So we're going to be talking to the Biggleson brothers today, Josh and Adam. Their father, Harvey, has basically wrote the book on this very wildly fascinating concept that what our body is concerned with is in our blood. And you can see that under a microscope and it's kind of literal. <laughs> so it reminds me a lot of uh, biofield tuning and a lot of a lot of the modalities that we like to discuss here are going to fit right into this concept and it's supportive of the terrain is the importance not the so-called super scary cooties germs that everybody seems to be still stuck on <laughs> even now so uh, without further ado i want you guys to go check out biggleson academy b-i-g-e-l-s-e-n-a-k-a-d-e-m-y BigglesonAcademy.com. You guys can find out more about their work. There's a free ebook. You can learn about their philosophy behind what they do for their clients and their students. And I really love the quote on the philosophy page. They will never find the answer for cancer unless they understand the meaning of life. And maybe we'll get a little closer in this conversation. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Josh and Adam Biggleson. How's it going, guys? Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having us here. Yes, life is life is an adventure. We're happy to be here with you right now, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it's awesome. And I love that you got a guitar behind you. Josh was telling me before we started recording that you're Eileen McCusick's guitar teacher, which is awesome. She's a good friend. Yeah, she actually, I taught her for a while and then she met Victor Wooten, who was one of my <laughs> heroes, and then she started doing some stuff with him. So uh, I have no problem saying that I have lost a student to Victor Wooten. <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud of that. Yeah. Uh, yes, but Eileen's awesome. She's a fun one. Well, that sure. just also means you have one degree of separation between you and Victor Wooten. So that's um, pretty cool. You got it. <laughs> Almost there. <laughs> so I'd love it if you guys take us away and discuss, you know, your 
backstory, how you uh, were raised kind of in this field by watching what your father was doing, his story. I know that he went through some serious battles with the world and maybe watching that has helped you guys shape your philosophy of we're not really here to fight a fight. We're here to teach who want to learn. Is is that about right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah most definitely. Um, our story is, it's interesting for us. It's not unique. This is our life. This is just what we lived. But once this pandemic happened, people started reaching out to us for our perspective, which was kind of interesting. We're not, I don't think we're special, you know, but what I've known as we've grown up, Josh and I seem to have spoken a different language. <laughs> there are points and times when, uh, Josh, you ever feel like an alien? Oh, no, never. In this world? <laughs> <laughs> never. Right. So as we talk this talk that we've talked for years, um, you know, we talk to people that come to us for this experience. We love what we do. We want to share it with everybody. We want to impose our experience upon the world because it will be a happier and healthier world. But I know as an elementary teacher, my job is to teach those that come to me to learn. So recently, there's been a lot of questions about health. Hmm. So we're glad to have some answers. The nice thing is the answers that we have, what we say to people, Chance, is when we speak, you're going to hear things you've never heard before, and you're going to hear things that are the exact opposite of what you've heard before. But the reality is we do not tell you what we think. We are here to tell you what we know from repeated experience. Okay, our dad was clinically successful for over 25 years using this philosophy and theory that we share with people. And for us, it's not a terrain theory. So for people listening, if you could help us change this, this is the terrain paradigm. Okay. These are the laws of nature. This is how things work. And someone said to me recently, they said, you know, I don't know if I totally buy it yet all. And I said, that's fine. It's not up to me to convince you. It's up to you to figure it out because this is the way it works. So there is a point in time when people look for answers that they find us. The nice thing is the answers that we have make sense. And dad would say, this work is so easy that even Josh can do it. Yeah. <laughs> now, nothing you know, bad against Josh, and Josh has accepted this. Josh never went to college. He didn't go to medical school. All right. But the thing is, Josh did not have to unlearn what people were schooled with. So even today, we had a conversation with a woman who was a nurse for years. And if you have never been trained, this is very easy to understand. The professionals that have been trained, it's very difficult for them to fit what we do into their paradigm. Yeah. Right, and dad Josh? would always say, um, there's no alternative to what he does because there's no alternative to the way nature works. All right. So there's, you know, he talks about people have called us future medicine, but no, actually everything we talk about is old science from old scientists that actually did things that helped. Um, but it's important to know a little bit about dad's history. Um, we'll probably have some, some yeah. new listeners here. So dad was, uh, initially he was a, an eye surgeon. He was making a bunch of money and he wasn't happy at all. All they taught him in medical school was surgery. Um, his brain definitely worked differently than certainly my brain works. He, he was accepted to medical school after three years of college. Um, so he, he's becoming an eye surgeon. He, he's got a lot of money. He, he's not happy. Um, he gets drafted to Vietnam. So he says it's the only lottery he ever won. Right. So he's an eye surgeon and in Vietnam, eye surgeries doesn't take precedence. So they made him head of mass casualties. So he had to do triage. Right. So he had to decide who they could help and who they didn't have time to help. And that experience there changed him. Um, so when he came back, he was really 
he wanted to help everybody because he knew in Vietnam there wasn't there was people he couldn't get to. Also, his unit had a 98 or 99 percent survival rate. Once they got you in their hands, you did great. And when he came back to the United States, he noticed that doctors didn't have that same success rate. All right. Once mm-hmm. they started to think about their car payments or what is the insurance company is dictating I do at this point in time, then the mortality rate changed a lot. So at one point, uh, a client comes to see him and, you know, he proposed a surgery because that's all he learned in medical school. You know, he said the first year they taught him what a normal body was. The second year they taught him what an abnormal body was. They never taught him the connection. How does a normal body become an abnormal body? Right. So somebody comes to him, he proposes surgery. They said, no, I'm going to go try something different or alternative. Um, they go to this, you know, naturopathic witch doctor yeah. who does a retro bulbar injection where they push the eyeball to the side. They inject some uh, homeopathics into the back of the eye and it fixes the case. So so dad's thrilled. All right. So he learns this technique a little while later. Somebody comes in with the same issue. He says, I know what I'm going to do. He pushes that eyeball to the side. He injects. He fixes the case. So the client was so thrilled, they went to all six of their doctors who couldn't help him and said, this guy did this great, you know, technique. It, it really helped me. And all six of those doctors turned him into the medical board. So this was the first time he got in trouble for helping people and not the last time. He had charges brought against him for curing people illegally. <laughs> right. And even it mm-hmm. says in their minutes, the AMA's minutes, that they don't care that the person got better. They care that he didn't do it their way. And that's important if you're listening to that. We have documentation that the AMA did not care that someone got better. They only cared about what our father was doing. So if you're listening now and you think that they're looking out for your best interest in your health, I beg to differ. Well, I'll just interject. I mean, Continue I've seen this with every relative in a hospital that it was about following procedure. We're just yeah. doing what we're supposed to do. It wouldn't matter. Yeah. You know, maybe a bunch of vitamin C would help. No, we don't give them that, right? We don't even give you much water. Yeah, there, there's no money in a no. cure and realize they've been taught differently. And we had Steve Davidson on, who's a wonderful osteopath, who, who's really raised us. And we would talk about, you know, things like concussion syndrome, they say is incurable. And he says, well, in their hands, that's their truth, right? If you go to see somebody who says it's incurable, that is their truth. Don't expect anything different out of them. So it's a totally different training than we've had. Um, and obviously we've, we've seen a lot of different things. And when we talk about things, we just talk from experience. So we were always taught to be honest about what we know and honest about what we don't know. So, and dad always really instilled that with us. So as dad's, you know, starts to go along in life, you know, he, he fixes this case using unorthodox methods. Um, he gets funded to go around Europe and Canada to see different modalities that would work. And he started to change into more of a holistic practitioner. Um, when he came back, this was in Arizona. He actually created the first homeopathic medical board in the United States. So at, at that point, anybody could call themselves a homeopath. It was like Wild West back in the 80s. You know, everybody was hanging a shingle. So he, he actually wrote the law that gave the homeopathic um, licensure their own board. So it separated the AMA from the HMA. And it took a lot of power away from the, the AMA. So, of course, now he's on the list. So now business is doing really well. Um, he gets solicited by Medicare says, sign up and take insurance. And he says, oh, okay. Um, they come back to him a few months later, said, we don't understand your procedures or your codes. So code things like this, right? So they tell him the codes to use. And then he's brought up on Medicare fraud charges for code violations. And they take away his license. So they told him the codes to use. These codes were frauds and they took away his license. So once again, 
he's kind of being attacked for helping people. So at that point, and you can jump in at, at any point here, Adam, he goes before the homeopathic board. And these are people where he gave them their license. All right. Says the AMA took away my license. Let me get a homeopathic license. The homeopathic board said, no, go buy a, go buy a license in Mexico. Yep. In Nevada, the homeopathic board in Nevada, as long as we're naming yeah. some names. No, because they <laughs> were, he was a threat to their financial stream. At this point, for me, alternative medicine has had a chance to really change things over the years. And a lot of them have just turned into supplement pushers, right? So it's, it's, we call them green allopaths. So and instead of giving you a drug for each symptom, they're giving you a supplement for each system. And it's a great money stream. So dad was never a proponent of that. So he was a threat to their way of life, basically. But these are people he gave their, their license and they said, no, no, just go away. So at this point, he goes to Mexico. And if you want to jump in there, you can talk a little bit about Mexico, Adam. <laughs> sure. Yeah, his history was intense as he fought for his country in Vietnam. He saw the lies the government tells them. He asked questions in medical school. They told him to read the book. He says, I think the book is wrong. So he's questioning his schooling. He questions his government. Um, we hear the history that Josh says, and eventually he says, yeah, screw you. I'm going to Mexico. So he gives up his license and he goes to Mexico and Mexico at that point, this is the nineties was great. It's a free trade zone. He can get all his remedies and they're very supportive of treatments that work because of the medical tourism that's happening in Mexico. <clears throat> so in the nineties, dad became very famous for his work with cancer because Mexico allowed him to work and do these things. Um, dad was on coast to coast with George Norrie a few times with 4 million listeners. He was on Dateline in the nineties or the eighties, actually guy MTV a few times. Uh, isn't that what so Gerson's daughter did? Went to Mexico to do the Gerson yes. method for cancer. Yep. Yes. They, we were down there working, uh, parallel to them. Um, dad knew everyone in Mexico knew dad. Uh, the Gerson Institute, Hope for Cancer, Sanavive, all these places. Mexico is great. Mexico can cure your cancer. They can get rid of it, we'll say. But a lot of the people, what we've seen is they don't understand why it comes about. And we've seen a lot of people get their cancer cured in Mexico. And three years later, they have a different cancer, um, which is not the way it works. So Mexico then, yes, Gerson's here. There's uh, Hope for Cancer. There's great people. And they're very supportive of what's going on with cancer. So dad comes to Mexico, does great work. <clears throat> At one point, he went back to the States. I don't know why he went back to he the States. He even wrote an George. article about why he would never go uh, back to the States. <laughs> yeah. And we had a, a clinic. This was ironic. In Lake Tahoe. Chance, this is hilarious. This is our life, by the way. Uh, he gets a clinic. In Lake Tahoe, we're in the border of California and Nevada. In one state, his treatments are legal, but the remedies are not. And in the other state, it's the opposite. But we found a we found an office where the state line ran right through the office. <laughs> All right. So you go over here and you get your treatment. And you walk over there and you get your remedy. <laughs> right. So dad did that for some time. Dude, you got I mean, how many offices like there are that in this world? We had one of them. Right. So he gets tired of the snow and he says, I'm going to go to Nevada City, which is in California. A great little farming town. And he opened a clinic. It was awesome. Uh, did great stuff, and we were doing things there for some years um, until I think he was on the George Norrie show, and he said, dentists do not realize how much they affect the rest of the body. And there was a local dentist who heard that, and he did not like what he heard, and he called the medical board on dad repeatedly until they came to the office during business hours, took the microscopes, 
um, brought them up on charges of practicing without a license, even though you sign saying, you know, he does not have a license. When you came to dad's clinic, he doesn't even touch you. If in California, he would stick your finger to get the blood, that could be considered assault. So you would go to his office, you would stick, you would sign that, you know, he's not a medical doctor. He's a consultant. You would stick your own damn finger. Then he would educate you with the blood and say, these are things that have worked with other people in your circumstance and situation. And there's a nurse here who can perform these treatments. She works for a different doctor. Okay. So in the end, dad didn't even touch you. And they still came in and shut him down for practicing medicine without a license. They also said the medical board had nothing to do with it. In the end, however, we had to write out our check, the fine, to the medical board. And we had to pick up our microscopes from the medical board. Well, so, was, I'll jump in real quick there because, yeah, it was one of those things. Yeah, no client complaints. They just walked in with no warrant, took everything. Um, we called the police and they came and treated us like criminals. Um, and there was 15 counts or so against him and I for various things. They couldn't get any of those to stand because it was bullshit, except for one. We use these uh, remedies from France, porcine stem cells, porcine embryonic cells, so pig stem cells. And they would come with an American label and a French label. And we would put the American label on it so we could read it. Well, the American label did not say the amount that was in the bottle. It did not say five cc's, five milliliters. So the one charge they got us on was false advertising. And it gave us no recourse in any way, shape, or form. Dad ends up losing his house. We lose all of our money. We had no recourse at all. Mom went to get the paperwork from the trial. There's a stack of it sitting there. They said, you need to get this piece of paper notarized first. She goes and gets it notarized, comes back an hour later. There's no paperwork there anymore. We never received any paperwork from that case. And we had Michael Jackson's lawyer, Mark Garagos, came and flew in to support us. He worked on the OJ Simpson trial and things like that. Um, But anyways, um, so it's been an interesting ride. You know, dad always got in a lot of trouble for helping people, which has made me very gun shy, honestly. The reason we're teaching now and the reason we're educating right now is is part of it is because it's necessary to keep my father's legacy going. But it's even more important that people understand how to take care of their own health. Um, but honestly, I wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't for Adam pushing me and really motivating me to do it because, you know, there is there is fear, right? Even when we do our lectures and our online courses, it's on a private thing, a private atmosphere. You know, if we do a consultation, there's a 15-page document you're signing, you know, which which sucks. But these are things that we've had to do to protect ourselves. So, you know, we're happy to be here um, on your show here because we know you've got a very different type of audience, which we like to speak to. Um, but we've had a very interesting ride. At this point, we just hope to put the education out there on how the body actually works so people can start to take, take a, you know, hold themselves accountable for their own health. Sometimes you need to go to a doctor, um, but in, in most cases, we can take care of ourselves, and that's what we're trying to educate people on. Yeah, and this is really more relevant now than ever. Like Josh said, for people listening, if it was up to him, he would have stopped. Yeah. Um, my goal was to make sure this work did not die with our father. And it, when he left here, uh, I think it was because he knew that Josh and I were capable of doing this. And when our clinic was shut down, sometimes you squash something and it explodes. All right. So Josh and dad, they were like the rat in the wheel, head in the microscope, six months in advance. We're booked. You can't even get in to see us. Fixing people, fixing people, fixing people. And then no one comes to see us for a few months because they don't have to. Right. So when the clinic was shut down, 
Josh kind of hid for a few years. I put some things into place, our private association and things like that to start to teach. And we started traveling the world to share the information. All right. There's a great line from a suicidal tendency song that you can put a bullet in my head, but you can't kill the words I said. So we're sharing this information. And the thing is, Chance, this is not rocket science. You know, the medical people are not very interested in what we have to offer because they have their thing and we're a threat all right, to their income. So who needs us? You do. The people, the average person. And when we share the information, it's so educational and empowering that you go, wow, I don't need my doctor. And that's a problem for them. This whole pandemic, I just watched a video of dad speaking with Dr. Emoto in 2006. And this is awesome, Josh. I'm going to clip this. At the end, they were pushing the bird flu then. And at the end, dad says a flu, the seasons change. And the flu is our reaction to that. And the more intense the situation of the world situation is, the more intense the flu is. And he said, and right now our governor is pushing the bird flu, and I don't know what's going to go on with that. They're going to keep pushing fear on us. So in 2006, he was talking about them pushing fear on us with a bird flu. While telling you, don't worry about a flu. It's not a problem. Be balanced, and this is how we adapt. So now we're here. We're here in the midst of a unique experience where people are coming to us for our knowledge. And I hate to say it, but I am grateful for what's gone on in the world. You know, in the midst of this, and people might not want to hear some of this, in the midst of this pandemic, I've had some of the, one of the best years of my life. Um, I moved because I, I needed to. Josh and I were in Spain. We came to visit mom for a week for her birthday. We were going to Mexico to teach at a clinic. And we came to visit mom and lockdown happened. So we got shut down and never went back to Spain. We had apartments there, nice places. We were ready to go back for sure. So the world changed on us immediately. And people call us, they're like, viruses. And you know what, Chance? I had to think. I don't remember my dad ever talking about a virus, ever. The only thing he ever talked about was AIDS. And he said that he did not see a pattern to it. And he thought that was suspicious, that there might have been some man-made experience behind it. But people were asking us about a virus, and my response is, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. This is, this is nothing, this doesn't exist for us. It's not in our world, you know. So now, it's nice. The whole world has realized there's nothing more important than your health. You guys know this now. Nothing more important. And if this is true, what they say is happening, your Ferrari doesn't save your life. Your money doesn't make a difference. The playing field was leveled right now. Something's going to attack everybody, right? So great. You should all be concerned. You should have been concerned about your health for years, damn it. <laughs> we ignore this. We take our drugs, our pharmaceuticals, and we live in this haze. So right now, there's a few groups of people, some that believe what's going on, some that don't. The ones that don't are the ones that, oh, there's the ones that don't know what to believe, sorry. They're looking for answers. Eventually, they find us. We have answers that make sense, answers that you can, you can take this information and use it right now and see results. Um, so I'm grateful, unfortunately, to say that this has happened because isn't it about time we had a wake-up call? And one thing Anna and I did, my girlfriend is a, a wonderfully famous scientist in Europe, um, Anna Maria Oliva. She says, you know what, if a virus is a detox of sorts, there's one way we can look at that. On a global level, the universe, the world, the earth is going through a detox. I personally would love to live in a world with less stupidity and ignorance. And the reality is 
people are lining themselves up to shoot themselves, <laughs> you know? So it's not fun to know that I know these people. I had more faith in humanity in general, but the reality is there is nothing more valuable. Well, I think health. the one thing the last few years has taught me is that everybody's an authority on what's good for my own health. Right. And whether, whether it's traditional or alternative medicine at this point in time, everybody's out there on their, you know, on their stand preaching and, we hear very little people talking about what the actual truth is, even, you know, uh, a vaccine or whatever, if you're for it or against it, if you're involved in the narrative, it's a distraction from knowing the, the truth about how to take care of your body. Right. So it's Jim Brewer had this great line where he says, you have to get your emotions out of their world. Right. So if, if we're busy arguing with people about this, then we're part of their world. So for me personally, I, I could I could give a crap what people do with their own body. Right. Just just don't put it out, push it on me. So it's been really important for us to get out there because there's so much information out there. There's there's like Adam, there's a million people, a million ignorant people sharing a million you know times of types of ignorant information right now. So and nobody talks about how the body actually works. You know, you do get some people coming up from the Eastern philosophy, acupuncturists. I love I think they should probably be your primary physician. You get some really good things from traditional osteopathy. But very few people are talking about how the body works. They're, they're talking about things we can blame, whether it's the environment or whether it's the virus or whether it's 5G. All these, you know, a lot of these things do play a part. But if we're healthy internally, we're impervious to what's going on externally. Right? And we teach a lot about Einstein and, and quantum entanglement and just the very basics of we're part of our environment and our environment's a part of us. So if we're living in a toxic environment, it's going to affect us. However, if we create a strong internal environment, we're going to be able to adapt to the environment. So the goal is even dad says the arrogance of a doctor to ever think they can cure somebody. He says, I never cured anybody. I made the body work and the body takes care of itself. Right. This is the way nature works. When we observe how nature works, why, why is the, a lot of farmers get it? Why is the microbiology good in the ground, but it's not good in your body? Right. Why is a parasite a great sign in your soil, but not in your body? Of course, it's a good sign in your body. It's there for a reason, right? So we see people going after your bacteria, going after your fungus, going after your parasites, when these are all things that live symbiotically with us and are helping to clean and cultivate the terrain at all times, right? And they're, right. they're saying these things are becoming pathogenic. Well, pathogenic is one of our Orwellian words. That had a whole list of Orwellian misspeak. Right. Uh, you know, a word that's a deflection from the truth. Right. So pathogenic to us just means out of balance. We don't want too much of this bacteria. We don't want too many parasites. We want a nice, happy balance. The problem is not the parasite. And I'm going to say that again. The problem is not the parasite. The problem is the soil. All right. If you have a toxic soil, the parasite comes and cleans up that soil. And right. And helps you process nutrients. So it's, I, I tend to get a little more passionate these days because I do feel a little more freedom talking with certain people. Um, but what we teach is very, very basic science on how nature works. And we evolve the same way that nature does. And for some reason, over the last bunch of years, people think we're separate than nature or we're different than nature. Right. You know, our shoes have created that, that we can't even connect to the ground anymore because we're wearing these big platform shoes all the time or we're so disconnected from the earth. So... Once again, it's all about just trying to figure out what's going on with us internally. You create a healthy soil, good things grow. It's the same thing in our garden. I love it, guys. I want to yeah. make a few observations here. 
Man, so I agree with you, Adam. I'm grateful about the Cooties experience because I don't know when I might have started questioning the germs, super scary, invisible demons that are going to attack you idea, you know, because I have been pretty healthy and not toxic and eat non-poisonous foods. And like, so I, I, you know, I wasn't someone getting ill all the time. It wasn't really part of my thought process to be worried about it. But now I see way, you know, all the experience of the last two years and three years, I'm able to like learn from people like you and from everyone that starts to wake up and question that narrative that, yeah, uh, dissonance, the symptom, the parasite, none of those are the bad thing. Yeah. Everything that exists in nature is happening for a reason and you need the dissonance, whatever form it comes. Like I learned this through working with people in sound is that you need to go through the distance, you need to let it express itself so that it can self-correct. Yeah. If you just like, oh, there's a weird dissonant wobble in my voice, so I better just not speak or not sing. It'll never self-correct. Right. You'll never get through to the other side of it where you're finding the harmony again. And that's what all yes. of this like symptom repression, you know, all of that that has gone on. And you know, for, from time yeah. immemorial, people have had these type of ideas of like, separate from nature. Uh, like the ancients had this belief in pathogenic winds that would blow in and cause everybody to get sick. Um, you know, what you said about your father speaking on the flu and how the change of seasons causes that expression or, or detox and that the intensity of what's going on in the world influences <laughs> influenza in which a word that means like, you know, from the stars uh, influences the intensity of people's flu season. I find that fascinating because I learned in the biofield work that, you know, you really can't separate the tree from the forest. And especially the last three years of the cood, I call this the cooties zone that most people that I work on in a sound session where I'm sweeping through their biofield, 90% of people somewhere in their field or in multiple parts of their field, there are some like issue at the point where cooties started popping yeah. off. And I look at it like, you know, if there was a forest fire and then you were looking at the tree stumps of a bunch of trees that were cut down later, you could see the the ring in all of these tree stumps from the year where the big fire happened. So people's mm-hmm. energy fields are like that too yeah. with what just went down. And it's very yeah. fascinating. So I'm like, you know, I, I threw a lot out there, but this idea of, you know, how the, what the flu is and the seasonal aspect of it and how we are a fractal miniature of the environment. We're not just part of the environment. We are the environment. We are nature. All these things are, I think, super important for like what true holistic uh, health means as in like you look at things as a whole. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's a holistic, integrative experience. The mind, the body, the emotions. In the end, our dad's conclusion was all disease is triggered a thousand percent emotionally. And we're emotional beings. But the reality of you want to learn, look at nature. This is so funny, you know, for people listening. Um, like I said, we talk from the repeated experience and we're not here to offend people. So hopefully no one takes anything personally. Um, dad would say things like, People would come to him with everything. Test this, test that. Oh, I've been juicing. And dad would say, you know, I've never seen a deer juicing in the woods. <laughs> you know, so, and then the same thing. It's like Lyme disease. And he's like, you know what? The body doesn't attack itself. Like animals aren't getting Lyme disease. What's, you know, and he said that. He said, is it an epidemic of Lyme disease? No, it's an epidemic of doctors and surgeons and surgeries. 
that's that's affecting this holistic, beautiful well, thing. Well, diagnosis, we you know, one of our big Orwellian words is autoimmune. You know, the body's never going to attack itself. It's always striving for balance. If it's working too hard on healing for years and years and years, eventually it breaks down. But dad was funny because he right. said, you know, the doctor who labels, labels it autoimmune, he labels that because he has no idea what's wrong with you. So it must be your fault. So right. we call it, you know, and I'm not afraid to say it anymore, but, you know, Lyme disease and things like autoimmune are bullshit diagnoses. There's something that's going on with the person. Yes. That's for sure. But the body is not attacking yes. itself. I had a guest recently who ha- had the diagnosis of Lyme. Her name's Jackie Jolie. If people want to go find that in the archive, the doctors were like, here, we'll just give you three months of antibiotics. And she's like, well, what if that doesn't work? Well, three more months of antibiotics. And so she's like, I'm not signing up for that. Yeah. She knew well enough not to destroy her biome that way. Yeah. And she did all yeah. of the research she could to figure out what to work on. And she ended up going for the route of improving her light life just getting sunlight at all the different parts of the day from the morning to the evening, mm-hmm. getting no artificial light after the sun goes down and not eating after the sun goes down. Mm-hmm. And she was all set. She's good. Yeah. No more quote unquote yeah. Lyme disease yeah. or should we call it the lie disease? Because <laughs> it's a lie. Yeah. lie disease. Well, it's it's great that, that she did that too, because she figured out what worked for her and what worked for her isn't necessarily going to yes. work for me or work for you. You know, every, everybody is so unique on their path, which is, it tends to be why I get offended with people. I cured myself of this. So you have to do this. No, I'm a unique individual. I'm going to delve into what you had to say and what you did. And if that resonates with me, that's great. Um, but the fact that she figured out what was going to help her, you know, and strengthen her internally and strengthen her biofield is just fantastic because it's a unique experience for everybody. There's patterns to every sickness, right? right? But we all take different paths yes. to get to that point. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's someone who was paying attention. Who was somewhat conscious. I appreciate that. Yeah. Good for Joey. Good for you. Yes. Well, and if if people, you know, if you've got friends that are doing this, this is where things get interesting because people get so excited. This worked for me and they want to oppose it upon you, but it doesn't mean it's going to work for me. And as people listen, you know, if something's worked for you, share it. And when people share things with you, experience it. And find out for yourself. You know, I, I hate the reviews on movies and, and restaurants. I'm going to find out for myself, you know. Um, but like Josh said, everyone is unique. So certain things resonate with us. But we've been taught that we don't know, that we need to ask an expert. And I think there's no one that's a better expert in you than you. You know yourself better than anyone. The thing is, we lie to ourselves all the time. You know, I'm fine. Nothing. Everything's fine. You know, when we look at a drop of blood, it's amazing how often we pull up an image on the screen and the person knows what it is before we tell them. Because they know. But that image, picture is worth a thousand words. I can talk to you all day and tell you these things. When I show you that image in your blood, you stop and you listen. It's very interesting. It's a very personal experience. And, you know, know, dad always said they'll never find the cure for cancer because they don't know what caused it in the first place. Right. And, And you can't fix something if you don't know what caused the issue in the first place. You know, and the brilliance of dad right. is cancer is a mold. Can- cancer is a certain type of mold. Our body is decomposing by a certain type of mold that's cancerous. So they did studies on, on an Egyptian sarcophagi. Sarcophagi? I think that's the plural. Um, and they found that the body could only decompose three different ways. And they're all molds. They could de- decompose with three different molds. One was an arthritic mold. One was a circulatory mold. And one was a cancerous mold. So when we look at the blood, we look at the direction you're going towards. 
right? The blood will tell us the way it decomposes. It'll tell us whether you're going towards a cancer, going towards an arthritis or a circulatory issue. Um, we want arthritis. Arthritis is natural causes, right? We're, we're supposed to rust in the grave, but a lot of us are rusting while we're still alive. So it tells us the direction that the person is going. But if you cannot figure out what caused that person's issue, you're not going to be able to fix it. You're just going to be able to guess. So for us, right. a lot of times you just look at the history form and you can figure out, okay, the person was diagnosed with this. And then two years beforehand, they lost their job. Um, their son died, you know, and you see the emotional component that led to an injury, right? Or led to a surgery. So this is really important. Dad always said, and a lot of people were kind of on this boat too, that emotions are a thousand percent behind why we get sick. But then we see a lot of practitioners spending time just working on the emotion. But the emotion is causing physical issues with you. You have to work on the physical to release the emotional. And this is the brilliance of what he did. You know, there, there's the correlation between emotions and different organs. So, for instance, anger is associated with the liver. So you don't deal with the person's anger. You take pressure off the liver so it can start to process the emotions on its own. So it's a very simplistic approach. But it comes down to you can't just change your attitude and expect your disease to go away. Changing your attitude is going to be certainly a piece to the puzzle. But once your issue has become physical, there's physical work you have to do to help release that emotion. So it was very simplistic. But as we started to go along in our little ride, we've learned that people are just dealing with the emotion, but they're not dealing with the physical, you know, and they're missing the forest for the trees at that point in time. And our view is so simplistic. All right. The person's in a lot of fear. We're all in a lot of fear these days. We're all stuck in sympathetic mode and we don't heal in sympathetic mode. Right. So what do we try to do? Well, we try to align the body to take pressure off the kidneys so they can process the fear. If the body's out of alignment right. and you have pressure on your kidneys. You cannot process that fear as well as somebody whose kidneys are uncompressed. So very simplistic added, uh, viewpoint. And it still comes back to you get the body to work properly and it takes care of itself physically and emotionally. Well, this is great. You started to answer what my next question is going to be, but I want to return to something Adam said first, where you describe how they people often know what is going to show up in the image in their blood before you show it to them. Yeah. Uh, there's something yeah. about this, like needing people almost need that subjective thing to be brought out into the objective. So like it's the same way with tuning with people. But sometimes they, they also need to see the larger pattern. I want to give an example of a recent client I had where, uh, it had to do with, um, you know, their, their father had was way old whenever they were born. They were born with the father in their like late, he was like in his late fifties or something. And so he wasn't present as a father the way that other people would have a more energetic and youthful father. So, um, Whenever I'm in her biofield and like doing, doing my thing, I'm, I'm revealing these issues with their father and stuff before she's telling me about them. Uh, and so it's like they need that. And the pattern that shows up for her is that in her life, she's, uh, had a repeated experience of like older, <laughs> older men in her life that then like didn't come. There's a lot to it, but my, my point is that like the, the sure. experience with her father, that male energy as she, her being a female set the tone for her belief about what it's like to interact with males. And then that pattern repeats. Yeah. Um, but like yes. they need to sometimes have you reveal it to them in an almost like magical way. Like, look, this is objectively here. You didn't even tell me about this. And I can show, I can tell you about yourself using this like right. special trick. Right. And then that's where it sort of, sort of like merges the objective subjective 
uh, wall for them and they can move forward. But like, sure. you know, and Josh, you started to answer this question, but I'd love to elaborate more on it. Maybe like another example or two, uh, because I think you're totally right. It's not just about getting to the emotion. It's about what you can do to support the body with that. Yeah. I think that's what makes Qigong so powerful. Yeah. Massaging and stimulating, and energizing the organs in, you know, it, it's yeah. practically magical. It looks like you're not really doing much, but if you keep it up, you know, those things just flow oh, through. Awesome. But yeah, my, my question is yeah. like more, could we talk more about the practical benefit of being able to see these images in the blood for clients? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, for us, you know, the blood, what I would say is the microscope is the tool that our dad used to learn how the body truly works. And it's simple. What dad would say is health is simple. People are complicated. We make life so much more complicated than we need to. It's eat, breathe, sleep, and connections and joy, right? So forget all this other crap. <clears throat> now, we look at a drop of blood and we see what the body is trying to communicate to us. Your body is trying to say something to you. And a lot of us are conscious of it. We listen to our bodies. With Josh and I, we've looked at our blood so much that we don't have to look at our blood because we know, we know how to listen. There are times we do because we're in denial and Josh will say, uh, duh, or I'll say something that she won't listen to anyways, you know, because we're brothers. <laughs> uh, but that picture is like the pattern interrupt. You know, when we were doing this at the clinic, we'd take the drop, put it there, and there it is. It comes right up. And every drop we take from you, it's going to come up until that issue is addressed in some way, shape, or form. And yes, you can be in denial. There's not many people, Josh, that have come our way that were in total denial. Um, we couldn't, the ones that we could, that were in denial, we could no, not you help. You can't them. help somebody who doesn't want to be fixed. You know, the thing is, dad was, we're so off the beaten path that by the time they got to us, they wanted to get better. You know, every once in a while you have somebody who has no interest, but those people really didn't come to see us, you know, and a lot of times, like Adam was saying, the person would recognize one of my little tricks is I would put up the, the hologram of an image, which I knew what it was, and I would just let it sit there for a second or two, and they would start to figure it out on their own. So really what it does is it validates what a lot of people know already. But like you said, you know, yes. there, there's so much fear. We've been taught that we don't know anything about about the body. You know, but internally right. we have this, you know, I hate the word intuition, but we have an internal knowing of what's going on in there. So a lot of times we, the answer it's is the simple. You know, usually you can figure out the answer within five minutes of talking to the person and looking at their blood, you know, but then the next half hour, 45 minutes is explaining it to them in ways that they can understand. But once that light bulb goes off right. in the head, they get it. And the, one of the greatest things about the work we did is it takes the fear of the unknown out of the person. Right. They're, they're blaming so much disease on all this stupid crap. Right. And then internally, the person knows, well, I was going through a really tough time in my life at that point in time. And then I had a gallbladder attack and they removed my gallbladder. And I haven't been the same since, you know, so it validates what the person knows already. And it takes the fear of the unknown. Once they know what the cause was, once the, emo the emotional cause and the physical cause, then they can take steps to take care of it as opposed to guessing about how to take sure. care of yourself. So it was, it was really empowering, I thought, when person, a person would see their yes. blood. And just to watch them go from being in such fear and some in such sympathetic mode to watching their respiration change. And they knew they still had work to do, right. but they knew what they had to do now. So a lot of that is getting well, out of victim consciousness yeah. that, uh, you know, yeah. this isn't happening to me. I'm happening to me. <laughs> yes, there are no victims. There are no accidents. We've seen that a nature. lot. Um, 
we've seen that a, a fair amount in the, in the breast cancer community where they have this badge of honor they're wearing, right? I'm a breast cancer survivor, you know, and they go to these, they're wearing their pink label, you know, and you don't want to be part of that group. You want to be part of a, a person who's living as opposed to a person who just survived, you know, and it's like they're in this little club and we've had our breast cancer clients who were great and they'd get better and they realized they were kicked out of the club, <laughs> right? Well, they're breast cancer people. didn't want to talk to them anymore. You know, yeah, victimhood is like a weird yeah. currency these days. It's, it's really interesting. We oh, saw yeah. it really big with the Lyme community also. It was, it was, like, I see it on like on Twitter or Instagram, people's bio, younger people uh, will say something like actually autistic and then, or it'll like list all their psychological diagnoses. Like yeah. I'm not faking. I really have all of these labels right. and it's like a pride thing. Yeah. To be proud of it. And it's funny because yeah. I've always said we're all autistic in our own way. You know, there, there's all different True. things that we 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 can focus on, and it's up to us, and it's up to our teachers and our parents to figure out what stimulates us and point us in that right direction, as opposed to giving us Ritalin. <laughs> well, and why? You know, as we have one person who comes to us, she had a procedure done, and then something else happened, and she makes this connection, but correlation does not equal causation, right? Uh, her doctor says she's she has no idea. You're totally crazy. Are you a doctor? It's like, that's not, that's, you're wrong. Well, years later, she was right. We looked at her blood and she has a hip issue. She's 40. They want to do a hip replacement. That's too young for a hip replacement. And we look at the blood and she had a surgery, a procedure, and there was scar tissue and it was pulling the body out of alignment. And she said, you know what? I knew that. I knew that. Yes. But a doctor, an educated professional expert told you something else. And I've got a great clip of dad saying, let me ask you this. If your car had a transmission problem and your mechanic had never fixed a transmission in his life, would you take your car to him or would you even ask his expert opinion? Okay. They, the germ theory has been a hundred year failure. They have not found the cause or cure of one chronic disease in over a hundred years. Okay. And by their definition, chronic, that's their word. We cannot help you. You will have this forever. I looked at a list recently, Chance, of chronic diseases, and I think almost every one of them was improved by our father and Josh by looking at the blood and using the terrain. So well, chronic might always ass. improve the quality of right. health, assuming the person is, is ready to get better. You know, but yeah, it's it's important to understand what our work is based on because yeah, they talk about Pasteur and the germ theory. Yeah, proven failure at this point. So we talk a lot about, and some people might be might know about what we're talking about. It's a philosophy called pleomorphism. And it goes back to Antoine Béchamp. Um, it gets followed up by Gunther Enderlein and some other people. Um, Vincent is a big one of our people who talks about pHs and RHs and things like that. But Pasteur said germs cause disease. Béchamp says it's not the germ, it's the terrain the germ lives in. Right. So very important there. Now he discovered these things in, in our in, in all living things. These are things that are in our body. These are implants, minerals, animals. He called them microzymas. Wilhelm Reich later on called them bions. So many different names for them. Um, and what happened is we've got this internal energy. This is like our chi, our life force, our prana. Anything with life will have these particles in them. And as we start to stagnate, our body's supposed to flow like a nice river. But we've, we throw a few dams in the river. Now we've got these stagnant ponds. And in those stagnant ponds, garbage accumulates and our pHs change. And when our pHs change, these little bions they create a very specific type of bacteria based on what your terrain needs. 
So the body is creating germs. Oh my God, germs. So it's creating a very specific bacteria mm-hmm. to go and clean up your terrain. And I don't believe in good bacteria and bad bacteria. It's all good bacteria. It's all there to do a job. Is it there to help you clean? Or is your body, uh, have you been abusing yourself for so long that it's helping your body decompose? Right? It's going to do what the, what the terrain dictates. So the first step is the body creates bacteria to clean up the garbage. Right. And the bacteria eat the garbage and they excrete nutrients for our body. Right. So if we don't fix the stagnation in our body, though, the pHs continue to shift. And now the bacteria starts to create a mold, starts to create a fungus. So now we've passed from cleaning up the terrain to helping the terrain decompose. Right. And now the beauty of this. So bacteria, um, acute disease will be bacterial in nature. Chronic disease will be more fungal in nature. The beauty is it can be reversed. You remove the dam from the ri- from the river, the pond becomes a nice flowing river again. The pH is balanced out. The fungus changes back into a bacteria and then into a healthy little bion. So it's this beautiful, beautiful symbiosis. And the body is creating right. exactly what it needs. So what happens is we, we get these blocks. The bacteria go to clean it up, but we can't get through the block. So the bacteria starts to, this is where they become pathogenic, right? They become out of balance. Now we've got too much bacteria. So what does the body do? The body creates parasites, right? And the parasites go clean up all the bacteria and their excretion is now the nutrients that we were supposed to get from bacteria. So there's this beautiful, beautiful symbiosis that goes on. So it's like worms and worms in the garden. Absolutely. When you have too much bacteria, then what happens is the bacteria excrete nutrients and the other bacteria gobble it up. So the body doesn't get to utilize it. And this is like, the parasite, the worm is like your body's processing plant. It's like you're taking the fish to the processing boat, right? So the parasite goes in there and eats the bacteria and then processes those nutrients on us for uh, on a much higher level. So for me, obviously, I, I take it personally these days when people are trying to kill your bacteria and trying to kill your parasites and trying to kill your fungus. These are all things that the body is creating to help you and to help your terrain. Right. You know, so even, right. and, I, and I'll end quickly on this, you know, dad worked with Emoto in the past. And most of us know that words are power. So uh, there's a, as a, I've got a big beef with the alternative community these days where they're calling herbs antibacterial or anti, antifungal, right? Nothing in nature is anti. Right. Everything in nature, and this is Lamarck's work, is symbiotic. And that's how we evolve. So if Emoto was right, which I believe he is, that words are power, are you weakening the energy of that herb by calling it antibacterial before you even put it into your body? Dude, that goes really deep, Josh. What you just said is massively important. Word study is my personal favorite area. We do so much breaking down of words. And there is a sorcery to what's gone on in terms of how people look at their health and the languaging around it. Yeah. Leading me to think that the mafia uh, cartels that rule governments and the medical establishment and religious hierarchies and the whole nine not only are they aware of this on some level, somebody behind the scenes is planting and supporting certain ideas and certain languaging. I think it's been done before. Mm-hmm. And I think it's even on like a cycle yeah. where, you know, you, yes. you, uh, you give us this type of a model. And then once that falls apart, you're right there ready to fund the green allopathy. Yeah. <laughs> and so yes. Yes, but the exactly. words I want to just point out that we say all the time, we call the correct methods mm-hmm. alternative. Mm-hmm. They are the native method. Alternative. The alternative is allopathy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then like to say that germs are the bad thing is more word sorcery because a germ, the, the meaning of the word germ is like a seed. 
It has to do with the origin of the generative power in life. So it's just like calling germs bad is just as dumb as saying, I'm going to take something that's an antibiotic, which means anti-life. It's crazy. It's it's so dumb. It's like, it's like, are are you kidding? People believe this? Dad's first dream was to become a comedian. And it's funny because when he presented a lot of this information, people would laugh and it was like medical humor, but it wasn't really funny. You know, it was just ironic. Well, the, the book has been written. I mean, the, the New Age book, 1984, is, is, the, is the manual for what's gone on. And for us, we had to read George Orwell in school. And it's obvious that a lot of people didn't have to read it because this is the textbook kind of for what's gone on. But even they talked about, like you said, this is, this is not a new thing. This is cyclical. I mean, really, Hitler's theory was if you make the lie big enough, nobody will question you. And this is kind of what's going on, whether it's with your your politics or whether it's with your medicine or whether it's with your your religion. You know, um, it's 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 being controlled by fear. And dad has a whole list of Orwellian words. Orwellian misspeak is what he called it. Um, Things like side effect. There's no such thing as a side effect. You put something in your body. It's a direct effect that's going to happen. You know, uh, alternative, right. you know, your secondary, you know, they, they can synthesize an herb, but the herb is, is alternative and secondary um, infection. The body doesn't work right. that way. It's always trying to heal. We're not being invaded by things. So he had this whole list of Orwellian words and we're, we're consistently adding to that list. Yeah. Well, and if people pay attention to those things, like you said, you know, come on, the germs are bad, but to germinate is what you're doing to start your garden. So where does this? And how, who sense? was the bad Those guys are... in the two world wars? The germ mans, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Interesting. Well, and notice this, that, you know, Carnegie and Rockefeller in 1910, they find out where to put their money into the pharmaceuticals. And I think it was Rockefeller died at the age of 90 something, never having taken a pharmaceutical yeah. in his life. And he had a homeopath yeah. that lived with him. Like we actually have a name somewhere. So that was a business model and it's a great business model. They make so much money. And the reality is for us, they're not interested in what we say because if we're right, they're wrong. And you asked before, you know, it's looking at a drop of blood for the, for the individual. All right. We know these things. And someone even said that to me recently. I did a consultation for a, a business coach. And he said, how can I help you? I said, go through our process because I do the website. I do the email. I do everything. Josh does the blood and it's a small team. We're getting bigger. How does, how do we, how does this look to a business person? So he does a consultation. And of course, then he's freaking out because how did I know all this stuff? How do we know this? We see the blood. Well, a week later, and I told him what was the deal. And he said, this makes sense. This is, I'm blown away. I can't, I can't believe this. And a week later, he calls me back. He says, uh, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. He says, so, you know, I'm still in disbelief. It makes sense. He says, but then I realized I knew all this stuff and I put it on the history form, you know, and I said, yeah, you did know all this stuff. I said, but you know what? I'm not here to lie to people because that you can figure that out. The reality is you did know this stuff, but you didn't admit it to yourself and you didn't understand how it all worked together. And he was funny because he's a, he needs to see to believe. And he made an appointment with the person we recommended and did what we recommended. And his shoulders were out of alignment for 30 years and they're better. And when he went into this person's office, he was reading the pamphlet with his reading glasses. And 40 minutes later, he did not need his reading glasses. All right. So intense, right? Magic. Dad would say miracles only happen when you know what you're doing. And dad's job was being in the business of hope. There's always hope. Cancer for us was a real diagnosis. 
Okay. And there's a lot of people that came to us that were towards the end and they continued living. I had a friend whose mother got a brain, she got cancer in the brain. And they told this woman that she would be dead by December. They said this to her in November. Well, it affected her brain in such a way that she thought it was November for over a year. Okay. So there's the mind is one thing. The other one is funny. We had a patient whose mother is dying in the hospital. She goes in, you know, to be with this woman the last few days, and here comes the intern and removes all eight, the eight out of ten. He said ten, ten, ten bottles of pharmaceuticals in front. They said you got to come down. She's not going to last the night. That's actually his father. Um, he's not going to last the night. So an intern mm-hmm. comes in and, and he takes eight of the bottles away. And the son says, "What are you doing?" He says, "Well, these aren't really going to help, but these two might make it more comfortable for him as he passes." So he took all those pharmaceuticals away, and then the person got better and came out of the hospital and lived for the next four years. When they're giving you the, the suppressants, they're taking away your body's ability to heal. And then they wonder why you're not getting better. Right. And the thing is, as Josh said, for us, there's a block. Typically, what we'll see in the body is a lot of images that point to one thing in particular. Something set you off center at a certain point, and then you drove off center. If your car is out of alignment a little bit and you drive straight for a year, eventually you're going to end up way the hell off course. So think about that, people listening. You're out of alignment for how long? We align our car once a year, twice a year. We never align our bodies. Okay? So you come to us. We look at your blood. We see one thing there. And that's what the body wants addressed. And the person goes, oh, my God, that makes so much sense. Like Josh said, it validates things that they've thought. This is educational and empowering. We teach people to take charge of their health care. And we send them to other people. We don't even have a clinic anymore. We don't treat anybody. We educate you as to what you've gone through, how you got to where you're at, and what's worked for other people in that same circumstance. And then if we can guide you to the right people, we will. We need more practitioners to work with because there's not enough of the good ones out there and it's integrative. So dad learned about using body work with all of his patients because of reading Edgar Casey's medical readings. All right. Our dad is a members. He's right left, right? Left he was fully scientific, member. not empathetic scientist, basically, you know, and, and somehow I think mm-hmm. because of my mom, he got into Edgar Casey and he read all of his medicinal readings. And the thing that Edgar Casey recommended the most was osteopathic work. There's a pattern. So dad incorporated that and dad's results changed in a big way. So people, I think that everyone could use one consultation because you're going to see, we're going to see what you need to see. We're going to explain it to you and then you get it. And at that point in time, you continue to communicate with your body and hold yourself accountable. You do what you need to do or you stay in denial and then we can't help you anyways. Um, so one drop of blood, Edgar Casey said, the physician of the future will diagnose the condition of the entire body through one drop of blood. We don't use the word diagnose, but we can take a drop of your blood. And dad would say this. He would say he can tell whether you were molested at the age of three and whether or not you liked it. That there's no secrets in the blood. It's liquid, the best conductor vibration. It communicates with everything in the body. Everything in the body has its own frequency. If there's an imbalance, a dysbiosis, it changes the frequency and creates a disturbance field. That is exactly what we see in the microscope. And those disturbance fields will match anatomy books sometimes. If we address what we see in the microscope, it's like the domino effect happens. Things just start to fall back into place. This body is amazing, Chance. We need to support it. Dad said, man went wrong with health, medicine, and agriculture when he thought he could improve on what nature had done. 
Nature knows what it's doing. We need to not mess with it and just support it. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking my language, guys. Yeah. So we're getting close to the end of the first segment. If you guys could tell people about what they can find at your website and maybe the courses that you offer. Sure. We're thrilled right now. We're doing cool stuff. Super excited. Um, we have on our website, there's a free ebook, which is great. Uh, you get on our email list and there's a few emails you'll get from me. I love doing videos and people get to know me. But we have uh, some great books. Dad's Holographic Blood Book is the book. Uh, right now, Josh and I are just finishing a 13-week course, the Terrain Introduction to the Terrain Paradigm through the Bigelson Method of Holographic Blood. And that is the textbook. Um, it's cool because I have videos. I made my dad go through this book eight years ago. I've been trying to put this course together. So I have my dad, our dad, talking about each section of the book, which is awesome. So he will teach you about this. Um, we have uh, the course will be offered again. We have a school of health and wellness that we're doing right now, which is $27 a month subscription. We do two webinars a month. One is an interview topic centered webinar. And then two weeks later, we do a questions and answers. Then we also have uh, a, a campus platform. So first month was structure. Uh, we have structurally related topics, content, and then exercises. So as we educate people, we're giving people tools that we use. Uh, Qigong, you mentioned, yeah. I love my Qigong. Every day with the healing sounds, man, I can't, if I don't start my day that way, it's a different day for me. Um, so I have the video I produced with my Qigong instructor that's there for our students. Um, we've got a lot of awesome, awesome content, and we finally have it in a place where people can get access to it. We have archives. Wow. The things Dad did, the George Nori conversations, the Dateline stuff, the Guy MTV, not to mention all this other stuff. So we have an awesome, we're here as a resource to support you. It's nice, too. It's very interactive. Basically. You know, the, the webinar has been great. We've had people like Bear Lando on there. Um, Artur Sala, who everybody in the world should know, because he's carrying on the lost science of lost scientists and making sure their names are remembered. Um, we know some people. Super you interactive know. <laughs> and it's been a lot of fun. And we always, for, you always forget to mention Adam's other book, which was fantastic. Doctors are more harmful than germs. Didn't make them a lot of friends in the medical so, community, did so it? A lot of good stuff there, though. A lot of good stuff. Awesome, guys. I've really enjoyed the first hour of this conversation. Thanks for being here. I'm excited to get into the other side of it. And um, yeah, everyone check out Biggleson Academy. There's so much to dig into. I feel like we could have a lot of conversations, the three of us. And I appreciate the knowledge and the yeah. flow state you guys have been on thus far. And I have some very interesting topics to go deeper into for us in the second hour. So appreciate you guys. Much love. Perfect. Hey guys, thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to another great episode. I was like totally sleeping on this whole holographic blood thing. I mean, I've heard about it months ago and uh, I should have probably had this conversation sooner. But then again, the wrong thing never happens and divine timing is in all all events and all occurrences. And I'm very grateful for the Biggleson bros coming on the show and sharing their knowledge I think that we could probably have another talk because getting into the the details of like what you see in the blood, there could be more of that. And I'm sure there's all kinds of conversational topics on the table. 
So anyway, let me know if you want to see them come back. Maybe we'll do a vibrant, maybe do some like live Q and a, that could be fun. Uh, man, this entire conversation though, about <laughs> what's going on with the cause of disease. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people I have done tunings for and they're listing off all of the diagnoses and they're, you know, People that come for tunings, they're not usually like identified with the label. They're not identifying with the identity of a disease. But still, like, it's crazy how many diagnoses there are, you know, in the handbook of the medical professional of like, you got this, you got that, and you got this thing. And they all have these talismanic names to them. And I don't know, there's like something about this idea of chronic illness that really seems to fit in hand in glove with the idea of chronos time, right? Like the uh, sub the measured time, like as opposed to subjective time. I feel like with the model that we're presented in the mainstream of chronic illnesses and the type of not really solutions, but masking of symptoms that is offered through the various drugs and medications. It's like you're no longer seeking to heal. It's like you're waiting to die, right? You're just like, please make it more comfortable while I wait to die. I hate waiting to die. <laughs> so so like, I think it's high time that humanity figures that out, gets out of the Kronos chronic model gets into the flowing with life model, the subjective time model. Because in subjective time, you know, it's right now, but you can also go back to whatever the root causes of emotional problems that are leading to health, uh, health challenges and illness. Now, I do this in tunings all the time. I'll like, I'll find, especially, especially when I find something that's going on in like toddler range or baby where there might not even be a lot of memory of that time. I love to take the client back visually, have them walk through like a sort of guided meditation, if you will, with the forks where they go and like pick up that poor little baby that's crying and show it love, tell it it's going to be okay. Frequency is location as Topher Gardner uh, says all the time. And if that's the case, if you have a frequency stuck in your biofield that is of a certain like d level of emotional distress, pain, suffering, whatever, uh, beliefs that are limiting all of that, then you're actually like in a, in a bizarre way, you've never left the location of where that first happened. And I think that that's why life will then keep presenting you with situations, people, relationships, hardships even that reflect the frequency of whatever it is that's stuck in the energy field. Anyway, enough about that. I want to tell you guys about the plus extension. So in the first hour, as is often the case with a three person conversation, man, there's like so much more that we didn't get into that was saved for hour two. And you can get that on Rockfin or Patreon. Rockfin, $10 a month. You get all the creators on the entire network. It's great. It's a wonderful deal. 
get in there while you can because I hear that that price is actually going to get bumped up soon, maybe next year. And I don't know if they'll like grandfather people in at the old price or what, but either way, for, <laughs> if you want to save $5, because I think they're going from 10 to 15, do it now. And then, you know, go check out all the things in the archive that you want to hear and enjoy that. I think you will. $5 a month for the Patreon. That's not changing currently. And that's just my stuff. You don't get the whole network of Rockfin, but highly worth it. There are so many shows in the archive, especially if you're like newer to the Interverse podcast and you kind of like what's going on. There are things going back years that ought to blow your mind. I do my best to create timeless content that is going to be applicable to any point in your journey, regardless of the year on the Kronos clock, right? In this plus extension, we dispelled the narrative of nanotech in the cowpokes and, you know, other similar doomsday prophecies of truthers that need to be uh, refuted, you know, because like, Doomsday, how many times has it been predicted and how many times has it happened? Right. That's all you need to know about that. We talked about microscopy. (laughs) For some reason, that's a hard word. You know, what what makes microscopy competent or incompetent? We Again, this is similar to the first section, but like getting out of narrative games that the mainstream offers and focusing on solutions. That was a big part of the second hour. Uh, relanguaging and reimagining the idea of an accident to an incident, as in you see within. Um, we discussed consciousness coming before effects rather than the other way around. You know, languages to communicate with the body, the idea of bacteria as a universal chassis, and an alternate way of understanding things like, you know, so called parasites. Uh, we talked about holographic environments, iridology, which is looking at your eyeballs for diagnosis or diagnosis isn't even a good word for uh, to become aware of what's going on as a, you know, the eyeball being a holographic reflection of the I am. Now we talked about homotoxicology, covert poisoning, and a lot of other stuff. So it's a really good second hour. I hope you get in there and enjoy it. Thank you everybody who has been supporting in 2022, or a special thank you for those who've been supporting for longer than that. Really, really appreciate you. I hope that you've gotten a lot out of the show this year. It's not really the end of the year, so maybe I'll save all that. (laughs) But we're getting there. I think this is the last show before the Christmas holiday, and maybe a little too late for you to get it before Christmas. But maybe, you know, Christmas present for yourself. Check out my new merch store. I've announced it already on the Vibrance, but I don't think I've mentioned it on an Interverse before. In fact, it's been a while since I did an outro for an Interverse because I've been doing them live so often, which is really fun, but you know, it makes me get a little rusty uh, at talking by myself in an empty room to a screen, <laughs> which is it's a little tricky to do, actually. Anyway, on the merch store, there's all kinds of cool stuff. Like today, I got... Uh, you know, I got a new case for my dumb phone. Check it out. It's an Interverse phone case. You know you want one. Probably the the logo and the sigil on here protects you from cell phone radiation somehow. I think. I mean, it's I'm stating that that's my intention right now. So intention is pretty powerful. Yeah. And back to the, uh, the Biggleson brothers, Josh and Adam. I think this is an hour too, but they mentioned that they need help with social media management. 
If that's something that you're into, you're good at, maybe hit them up. You can get a gig, especially if you're a freelancer looking for clients. Uh, I think that's a great idea. Help some good people do some good things in the world. And, oh, the merch store. Okay. I kind of breezed right through that, but that's innerversemerch.com. You can find that linked on my website as well in the shop tab or in the show notes or whatever. Like if you look, seek and you shall find, right? There's so much art on there. I have been, when I can, adding more and more of my creations from over the years to the merch store. The puzzle's really fun. I did the puzzle the other day. And I'm going to add more puzzles on there if you're like a puzzle person. And how could you not be? If you like this show, we're kind of like doing language puzzles all the time. Anyway, I'm going to play this out with a track by my buddy, Mike, a.k.a. My Own Eyes. I hope you like it. Check the show notes for a link to that. Links to everything in the conversation today. Uh, go show some love to the Biggleson brothers. Maybe even be like our our friend and listener Ishan who has uh, been doing their course and learning a lot from them there's so much opportunity we have nothing but blessings in this world everything is good i hope that you feel that i hope you're living that i hope you've had a great 2022 we'll talk soon lots of good stuff coming really excited about the lineup on on the calendar for the upcoming shows and i've already recorded a couple that are going to be mind blowing when they get dropped And so with that, I bid you adieu. I love you very much. Have a great time out there wherever you are. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.